0: Welcome to episode 35 of Kratom Sobriety. This is Charlie. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend if you're here in America. Today, Decima has an interview with Harper, who did a long, successful taper off of Kratom, which is, I think, one of the first we've had as a guest. She also spoke a little bit about using cannabis to help with withdrawals, but she eventually decided that wasn't for her either. And... Her first addiction was Kratom as well. After the interview, Jacob talks about an article that was in Bloomberg about the Florida Kratom bar scene and has an interview with Krista, our original co host of the show. I, I touched base with Krista. And even though, you know, speaking out about Kratom can bring some heartache in your personal life, especially in a small community like the Kratom Cava bar scene along the Florida coast. She gave an okay for us to feature it on the podcast, and we miss you, Krista. The resource of the week this week is a clip from the Dopey podcast. She, he interviewed Dr. Anzinga Harrison, who has a new book coming out, and she talks a couple minutes about the risks of Kratom. And Dave from the Dopey gave me permission to feature it this week. So I'm talking about Tapers, a couple listeners that are doing some successful tapers, and I want to do some shout outs to them. C, who is in a European country where Kratom is illegal, has been doing a slow, meticulous taper since January 1 and is hoping to jump at the beginning of the year. So good luck with that. And then Jay, who I don't think the, the taper has been quite as long. She ended her taper on Wednesday before Thanksgiving and is reporting very mild, if anything, symptoms. So that's good news as well. And in conclusion, I will read an email we got from a listener this week. Hello, Kratom was brought into my life by a mentor who owned a Kava bar. He insisted all the normal stuff, non-addictive, etc. I started drinking Kratom tea daily immediately. Within six months, my spidey senses told me I was playing with fire but the benefits were still so good. I steadily increased my dose until I was drinking over a gallon of tea a day. I made a bunch of life-changing decisions. Then the day came when I felt like I woke up from a nightmare. The anxiety came back. It was like I woke up to this new life and panicked. No matter how much kratom I took, I still knew I had caused an immense amount of damage. I tried to quit for the first time and knew I was absolutely screwed. That was four months ago. Today, I am on my third day of Lips Vitamin C. I cut my dose from that gallon all the way down. It's a rapid taper. Thanksgiving will be my last day. Your podcast has helped immensely, and I'll have myself back in an AA meeting on Monday. Thank you for everything, and I will be happy to share my story. Good luck with that and getting back with total sobriety you know kratom kicking kratom can be hard can sneak up on you but it is very possible to quit as all of our guests to date have shown and hopefully myself jacob and decima have done as as well through everything we've been talking about on the podcast so now for the interview with harper
1: So I am so excited to be here today with Harper. Hello, Harper. How are you doing?
2: I am doing fantastic. Good.
1: Thank you so much for coming on to tell your story today. I'm just going to start out like we do with all of our guests. Tell us about Harper. How would you describe yourself to people that don't know you?
2: Relatively a nervous person, but always ready to try something new very grateful for everything that I've ever been through understand so
1: what we're here to talk about today is your history with kratom first question for you is how long did you use kratom and how much were you using how
2: often i i was on kratom for about 8 years and my dosages they went up and down. I think the highest that I was taking was about 75 85 grams per day. And throughout the entire time of me my addiction, I would have to dose once every two to four hours. Uh, and you know, once you hit that four hour mark, you start feeling sick, <laughs> right? So, but how long have you been off of Gradom? One year. And six months. That
1: is amazing. Oh, I cannot wait to be there myself. So, congratulations on that. That is so cool.
2: Thank you so much.
1: So, I'm wondering now how were you introduced to Kratom? How did it come into your life?
2: Almost close to 10 years ago, I have stretched ears, and one of my ears had kind of busted, you know, a blowout. And Roommate at the time who had just recently moved in, she was like, "Oh, you should, you should try kratom, it, it's amazing, you know, like whole spiel of like it's a miracle drug and da, da 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 da." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And so I took a little bit of it, and I felt completely normal <laughs> and really good, like very euphoric, I guess, and. That's, that's how I was introduced to it. And I got hooked right then and there. So like
1: a lot of people, you were self-medicating pain, you were searching for pain relief and that's how you came up. Okay. So unfortunately, you know, a lot of us do start that way and we end up falling into that trap. And did you have a history of drug use or drug addiction, abuse, anything like that? in your past or was kratom your first rodeo with addiction
2: kratom was my first addiction i've never had an issue with anything anything i mean i would drink occasionally i didn't even smoke weed before i tried kratom so <laughs> yeah it was it was my first addiction and hopefully
1: my last <laughs> I'm so sorry that, you know, Kratom caught you off guard like that. A lot of people in the, um, you know, in this community, we do have a history of drug abuse, but I have heard stories, you know, from people like you that didn't. And I think that's just so sad because, you know, you were caught off guard by the hype about it's a natural supplement and it's going to, you know, at first it does feel like a miracle. So I'm really sorry that you you know, you were caught off guard like that.
2: It was a surprise, but.
1: (laughs) At what point and how long into your use did you start seeing signs that it was a problem? And what were those
2: signs? So I spent, (laughs) it's kind of embarrassing, but I saw the signs. I denied them for a very, very long time up until I would say like my sixth year of addiction But the one that really comes to mind, which was like one of the first signs that I think of now that I didn't recognize quotations recognize as a sign was I had left work and I had just bought a 50 gram jar and I could not find it when I got home and I was freaking out and I was nearly having a panic attack over it. Then I called my employer and I was, have you seen this like jar? It has like green powder in it. And I was like, don't worry. It's like not drugs or anything. It's like, it's natural. It's just leaves. (laughs) And she was like, I'm looking everywhere and I don't see it. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like I was just freaking out. And then I scoured my home looking for anything that I could take in that moment. And I and finding it in my car and I just had the biggest wave of relief. But that was about uh, a year into my addiction. I think it was pretty early on.
1: So that feeling of panic when you thought you didn't have it
2: kind of that reality set in for you. It didn't set in right then and there. I was I was in denial for a very long time. I was like, oh, it helps my anxiety if I don't have it, my I'm just feeling anxiety, like no doofus, you're feeling (laughs) withdrawals.
1: Right, right. We do kind of not only do we ignore the signs for a long time, but then we also make peace with them sometimes like, you know what, that's just what I have to deal with in order, you know, to have this feeling do this. So totally get that. So you started seeing signs. Did you have like rock bottom or a final straw that broke the camel's back was there any kind of an event or something that happened that was just like I'm done
2: my my situation I mean I knew I was addicted the withdrawals they were horrible they're so painful what did it for me is I had started to travel the last in 2020 I started traveling a lot in some states, Kratom is illegal. When you fly, you have to like look up all the legality and everything, make sure you're not going to get arrested or something. And the first time I flew, I just remember going into the airport bathroom with a thing of orange juice and going in a stall and putting this powder. And I felt like, oh my gosh, am I really feeling this underlying shame With this, like, I'm hauling ass between the gates, right? I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm literally in a bathroom stall putting stuff in a drink. But what really hit me was I went to Washington, uh, Washington State, and they have a rainforest up there called Ho National Rainforest and Solduck Rainforest. I, this was in September of 2021. And as I was walking, we were like 20 miles away from civilization near like up in the mountain, practically. And I just remember feeling so sad the entire time that I was there in the most beautiful place I've ever been in my entire life. It was and this might sound like cuckoo bananas, but it was almost like the rainforest had a message for me. And she was like, are you? sure, you want to accept this as your life. Because that moment, you know, before I went there, I was just like accepting like, this is going to be my life forever. I don't care. This is going to be my life forever. Walking around in the most beautiful place I've ever been in and knowing that I had like my dosage in my backpack and a backup drink, just in case I blew through my first drink knowing that if we were to get lost or stranded or stuck somewhere, I would be absolutely screwed. So when I got home, I joined the group, (laughs) the Quitting Kratom group, and that was my first step. I didn't really know where to go from there, but, you know, just looked up how to taper and stuff. And I'm just very grateful to go on that trip and for all this, like, beautiful nature to be like, look how lively we are and you feel so dead inside.
1: I absolutely can relate to that too. I can't tell you how many trips I feel like were spoiled by my kratom use. I remember even waiting for the mail one time at my brother's in Montana, like this place that I love and can totally relate. Taking kratom, I even took kratom in porta-potties at concerts. That's how bad. So, I feel you. I'm just so glad that you, you know, you found us so that, you know, you can share your story and be an inspiration. This next question wasn't on the list, but I'm going to throw it in because I think it's an important one. But I'm wondering what kind of like symptoms, like withdrawal symptoms did you have when you tried, when you quit Kratom?
2: So when I quit, my goal was to go as slow as possible to allow my body to accumulate. Just from the research that I had done is that Kratom sticks in your system for a very long time. And I almost wanted to treat it like a like a morphine drip, I guess i I don't know how else to explain it, but the withdrawals that I experienced while I was tapering were very uh, minimal. I definitely had like my cravings the r l s wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be based on like I did try to quit cold turkey once <laughs> once, and that was it <laughs> wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was more. Mental than anything, honestly. The the boredom is 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 what really was a kicker for me. Uh, you know, you just sit there and you're like, you know, it's like it's like trying not to text an ex or something. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Especially
1: if that ex lives right around the corner by the convenience store, you know, and it's that easy. So definitely get that for sure. Yeah, understand that you tapered and that made. You know your withdrawal a lot easier. I commend your willpower there. I never had the willpower to taper, but I do believe that if you're able to do that, that it is super helpful. And it sounds like it was for you. <laughs> did you create your own taper schedule? What did that look like?
2: Yes, I did actually. So because it's a powder, you can't really gauge your doses on like teaspoons, tablespoons, stuff like that. You have to get a weight on it. And so I ordered a jewelry scale off of Amazon. It was like this itty bitty thing that most people would be weighing like cocaine or something on. And I, the first week or two, I needed to find out exactly how much I was taking per day. And then started from there. I would go from the doses. So I would take like, let's say I was taking like 40 grams a day, I would break it down into little increments. So every two hours, I would take like, you know, 10 grams or something. And then as my dosages went down, and I would say like, I took probably like 0.2 grams off per dose, like very, very small increments, every like, couple of weeks like it wasn't it wasn't frequent and as I did that I would add like 10 minutes to my in between my dosages or like 15 and then from having to dose every two hours to my end at the end of my four-month taper I was dosing every eight hours I recorded every dose in a journal I took that journal with me everywhere. When I remember I went on a trip and I I stuffed that journal in my backpack, I stuck my little jewelry scale in there and my bag of kratom and I would weigh it in the car and then I would write it down, you know, how much I took. Yeah. So it was a lot of recording. I needed to get very specific measurements. I wanted to be very finely detailed. So I knew exactly like how much I was taking that way I could just take off the smallest amount. Her dose. I love that. I found that super helpful too, because something about seeing
1: it, you know, it just makes it real when we can lie to ourselves and our imagination. It also helps to see it in writing so that the next day I, ha- I was a firm believer in never taking more than you took the day before when you're on a taper. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, do you still have your journal?
2: <laughs> I do. I, still have- I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But sometimes I look at it.
1: Awesome. How many times did you have to start over or were you able to do it in one try? I
2: was able to do it in one try. (laughs) Great job. Yeah, I was very surprised I was able to do it in one try. But like you had said, you know, being able to look at it and see it and visualize the progress that you've made, it almost became like a game to me. Like you're racking up points, you know, and if you take more than you should you know you lose points and get that journal and be like oh my gosh I started at like 70 grams a day and I'm down to 10 like that's insane
1: (laughs) it is amazing to see your own progress and it just motivates you to keep going Said that you tapered and that did minimize a lot of the withdrawals but what kind of things did you find that were helpful for whatever withdrawals you did have I know you said most of it was mental for you, but what kind of things did you find helpful?
2: Magnesium was a lifesaver. When I was tapering, I did start having heart issues, like circulation issues and stomach issues. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I would take magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin D, um zinc. Ashwagandha was super helpful as well when it came to the circulation, getting blood flow to your legs and stuff. It helped with the RLS and being able to get a good night's sleep. The sleep kind of was an issue. And then exercise, staying active, and not even just staying active, but staying hydrated. Every time I had a craving, I got into this habit of just drinking water every time I had a craving. And it hydrated me. And it also kind of felt like I was replacing the kratom with like water. (laughs) And so it made me feel, you know, hydrated. And in the end, I ended up wanting water more than anything. So that was a big plus. (laughs)
1: You're the only other person I've ever heard talk about water like that, because I'm the same way. I feel like water is like this life force. And like when I would feel like taking something, I would literally drink a big jug of water and like, yep, feel like I'm doing something good for myself. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. Yeah, it's definitely all psychological, you know, because I always hear people replacing one addiction for the next. And I do admit, like, um, I did take Delta 9 and... I live near, you know, legal states, and so sometimes, you know, I would be able to get a hold of a cart or something, and that was pretty beneficial. That helped with some of, like, the body pains that you would feel when you would lower your doses and stuff, but I ended up ditching the THC 100% actually a couple months ago. Yeah, (laughs) that ended up being kind of like a, a problem.
1: It's interesting you bring that up, too, because Charlie and I actually talk a little bit about THC and California Sober. Be sure to check that out. (laughs) What did the first, like, I know life is way different for you now, but say
2: that first 30 days, what did that look like? I had no idea who I was. It was like a complete reset on life because I I started taking Kratom when I was like 18, 19 years old. And, you know, I'm going to be 30 next year and you know when you spent 8 years high on a substance consecutively you kind of you don't really know who you are sober and i felt it was it was like an opportunity to get to know myself to reestablish myself so it was very confusing um and a lot of anxiety i guess i Just starting completely new, it felt like.
1: I'm wanting
2: to know about you had mentioned some health problems.
1: It sounds like some of it may have been kratom related. Now that you're off of kratom, have you noticed that those health problems have improved?
2: Yes. My hair was falling out in clumps. Didn't matter how many times I brushed my hair. If I ran my hand through my hair, a clump of hair would come out. I had thyroid issues. When I got off during my taper, at the end of my taper, and then after I, qu- I quit, about nine months after, I I gained, like, 35 pounds. It was, like, my thyroid just went. And the stomach issues, you know, Kratom makes you constipated. Well, at least for me, it, it did. And now I have, like, TMI, but normal bowel movements. Yippee! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, just a lot of like, a lot of like internal stuff, like stomach pains. I don't know if you would get like stomach cramps, you know, and your stomach would just feel so acidic. Like you could just taste the bile in your spit or it was just so crazy weird. Yeah, all of those things have disappeared around. I would say like a little after a year. It took a bit for my body to finally like level out, but I'm very grateful to feel normal now. I'm grateful that, like, I don't think I have any long-term symptoms, hopefully, although I do experience pause sometimes still, which surprised me because I'm like a year and six months in, but they're not, it's not as frequent as it used to be. So now that you're on the other side for
1: a year and a half, let's fast forward a little bit past the 30 days. What is life like for you now? And what is your favorite thing about being on the other
2: side? Life is so good. I'm very grateful. I'm exceptionally grateful. Sorry. Um, Okay. It's a
1: beautiful thing.
2: (laughs) I've learned so much about myself going through this addiction. One of the things that I've learned was how to accept suffering. I just remember laying on the floor, scrolling, 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 you know. And um, I saw a Buddhist monk and he was talking about suffering and learning how to accept it. And I stopped on that video and I watched it and he, he was talking about how to be mindful of your suffering, how to be accepting of it, how to be grateful for it. And once I learned that, I suffered much less, and because of this experience that I've had with this addiction, I'm a completely different person. I am able to enjoy my hobbies again for the first time in a decade. My relationships have gotten so much better. My empathy came back full force. I would get goosebumps so frequently that it was hurting my skin. (laughs) because I was just so happy. Every time I got happy, I would get goosebumps. And it was starting to like actually hurt my skin because how happy I was feeling. Yeah, I'm just so grateful to, to be on the other side now. That kratom
1: buzz cannot even compare to the natural high and that feeling of accomplishment and just becoming who you are truly meant to be. Truly beautiful thing to see. Barbara, I sure do appreciate you opening up to us today and sharing your story. I'm just gonna shift the mood a little bit because we love our music on this podcast, and I'm wondering what kind of music do you listen to to get you through your day?
2: I love electronic music, like EDM and stuff. When I was going through my with my taper, I started listening to a band called uh, Palace. They really helped me get through a lot of that. And every time I would listen to their songs, I would get like the goosebumps that would just, you know, hurt, but it was just so enjoyable. I love Lana Del Rey. I would always, I'm a pole dancer, so I would, I danced to her songs a lot (laughs) in my garage. I didn't
1: want to bring that up, but I'm so glad. You did, (laughs) because I admire it. And I may or may not have done a little pole dancing back in the day. I just like, I really love that you do that. I wish I had a poll. So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so Harper, is there anything else that I haven't talked to, I haven't brought up today that you want to talk about? Um, Anything that you want to
2: leave with the audience today? Just to learn how to accept the suffering that there's, there's nothing that you can take, no substance that you can take uh, to replace kratom to make you to fill that void. The only thing that can fill that void is is yourself whole as your own human being. No substance will ever be able to and to and to learn how to be mindful of how you're feeling what you're thinking. Try to understand yourself as much as you possibly can because these substances they don't they're not conscious beings. I mean they don't care for us. they don't I mean they make us feel good, but only in a moment. and the, the whole year and six months, you know I've I've filled that hole and I filled that hole with myself and my hobbies and unconditional love and my relationships. And no drug in the entire world and universe can replace that.
1: That is so true. Absolutely true that that hole cannot be filled with anything other than just, you know, sobriety and living life on life's terms, which I'm so glad that you're able to do now. And thank you so much for continuing to show up and be an inspiration for others as well. I really like what you said about being mindful of the moment and, you know, allowing the suffering. Too many times we, if things become shitty, we feel like, We're in a shitty situation. And then we turn that on ourselves and we say, oh, well, I'm shitty. And that's what we got to stop doing. Sit there in the moment. Let it pass. Acknowledge it. This is a bad feeling. This is a bad time, but I'm not a bad person. Mm -hmm. This is going to pass. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Harper. We really love having you and appreciate you showing up for us, even though Kratom is so far behind you. Keep on being an inspiration.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
3: Kratom in the headlines. Hello, everybody. This is Jacob. And this week on Kratom in the headlines, we have a very interesting article from Bloomberg News that was published on November 10th, 2023, and is entitled, An Opioid-Like Drink is Masquerading as a Wholesome Alcohol Alternative. So the article starts out by saying that Kratom is growing in popularity in the U.S. despite its potential. We recently covered a article that highlighted the The growth of the kratom industry in the U.S. and other countries, and I think it was six hundred percent over the over a five-year period from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty two. So a very interesting and very large growth trajectory that would mirror the point in the article about it growing in popularity despite its addictive potential. Anyway, the article um starts out by quoting and highlighting a former host of the podcast Krista. So basically, to summarize what it says, basically kratom had filled a hole in her life and you know, she started using it because she thought it was essentially without the risk of addiction, like many of us find ourselves in, and also that it was a good alcohol alternative, which is something that I was led to believe as well. So basically, it it progresses to say that, you know, after a few months, she found herself, you know, spending a, you know, a large amount of money, $80 a day, some days, and, you know, finding herself wanting to stop but leaving at night to go get more because she was in withdrawals, etc., which she talked about on the episode of the podcast she was on as well as in some segments throughout her time when she participated with us on the podcast. Basically, the article goes on to talk a little bit about you know the history of Kratom and how it's you know extracted and sold in the United States in its various forms, talks about how it's gained a reputation for producing an innocent buzz, and talks a bit about how it can have addictive properties like we all no, if you're listening to this podcast you're probably well aware of the addictive properties of kratom and then it goes on to uh talk a little bit about uh professor oliver grunman who's a professor at the university of florida who has studied kratom since 2016 and basically states that the adverse effects of the plant in low doses typically result in you know not much more than maybe some mild stomach problem but um, more concentrated forms or in large doses it can result in addiction as well as liver and cardiovascular toxicity, but basically highlights as many researchers do when they're talked to for these type of articles, that the jury's really still out on Kratom because there haven't been rigorous clinical studies, so we just don't know a lot about it. So what the article really focuses in on is the fact that there are all these Kava bars popping up, and Florida in particular has a very high concentration of them, but One of the people that is pretty prominent in the industry, Jeff Bowman, he's a major Kava distributor, and he was one of the first proprietors of a Kava bar back in the early 2000s, is quoted as saying that many bars like his are seeing that Kratom sales far outpacing Kava sales, and he adds that up to essentially, uh, you know, people keep coming back for Kratom, maybe because it's addictive, he doesn't say that, but that's what I think he might be alluding to. I don't want to speak for him. But anyway, so, you know, very, very interesting in kind of stating that, you know, essentially without Kratom, the Kava bars would probably have a hard time operating, and that's where a lot of the sales at Kava bars are actually going to. It also talks a bit about some of the recent class action lawsuits and cites the death of an individual, Patrick Coyne, 39 who passed away in his home in Oregon after consuming a large amount of Kratom, to kind of highlight for the audience that may be reading about Kratom for the first time some of the the danger associated with it. And also uh, talks a little bit to the pro-Kratom community. There's um, some information when speaking towards Kratom death. The line commonly states that none of these deaths are related to Kratom alone, which we, we know to be untrue based on some of the information we've shared on this podcast. <laughs> So anyway, it also talks a bit about the fact that some lawmakers are are starting to take a more critical eye to the substance. Um, Specifically, it highlights Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Vermont, and Wisconsin banning it altogether, and Missouri's governor vetoing the state's Kratom Consumer Protection Act because he was arguing that it conflicted with the FDA's stance that Kratom cannot be legally sold in the U.S. as a drug product, dietary supplement, or food additive. It also highlights at the end that Krista, that it wasn't an easy road and essentially going on to say spending too much money every night, it was affecting her relationships and just comparable to any other drug or alcohol at the end of my use. Really interesting article, goes in a lot of directions, has a lot of good uh, coverage on the kava and kratom bar scene, so I wasn't really privy to that and that's not something that's Going on in the NECA was where I live, but seems to be happening, and uh, those bars are popping up a little more frequently across the country. Um, that's created in the headlines for this week.
0: Resource of the week. I want to bring to you a book and a podcast from Anzinga. Harrison, MD, called Unaddiction. The book will be available in January. The podcast, which I believe is a limited series, is out now. First, I want to play a clip of an interview she just did with the Dopey podcast. Dave gave me an okay to play this. She talks about the risks of kratom, even though it is relatively safer than narcotics.
4: Now, what about kratom? Yeah. You're dealing with that at all? Yeah, I'm dealing a lot with that, actually. So Kratom is thought to be a natural substance. It mimics opioids, so it binds the opioid receptor, so it acts like opioids. And so it was billed as a natural way to get off of opioids, which certainly using Kratom is safer than using opioids, but Kratom in itself is addictive because it's on the opioid receptor. So we're taking care of a fair number of people who have become addicted to Kratom. And it is a very difficult withdrawal. So I'm just like I'm taking people from heroin to buprenorphine, suboxone. I'm taking people from cradent to suboxone also.
5: So uh, this is a dopey nation person, and, and and I asked how they've been, and they said not great, relapsing. I was honest about it with my sponsor and everyone, and I'm better now. But it just feels like I'm trapped in this never-ending cycle. Mm-hmm. I've been quitting and relapsing for like the last seven years, but I've never been honest about it before. I was hoping being honest would help, but now it's just like triply embarrassing when I fall down again and again. And I said, what are you using? Because I knew they were using Kratom. And they said, yeah, mostly. But I just use the Kratom extract shot, and they're really Mm
4: -hmm. expensive
5: and just terrible. Mm -hmm. It feels like taking like six perks. It's crazy, the
4: extracts. How he's describing these Kratom yeah. extract shots like just feels like taking six perks that's because it's hitting the opioid receptor and the withdrawal is really just prolonged and intense for people
5: i think that the worst thing about it is they feel as though it's better than heroin yeah it's better it's than it's and it's like how i mean i feel like i've encountered a lot of people who went from opiates <laughs> to kratom hoping to skip how suboxone or something and then they wound up on suboxone or even going from like a different opioid to Kratom, mm-hmm. to Suboxone, to mm-hmm. heroin, to fentanyl. Yep. yep. You know, the, yep. the train is, is not a direct line. It's not a direct line. And This year, Kratom, it just seems like so many people are coming of the woodwork with mm-hmm. prop.
0: Thanks. I think that clip speaks for itself. Another reason why this is a good resource is this podcast is decidedly very white. Everybody we've interviewed, all the co-hosts are Caucasian. That's reflective of kratom use in America is, on average, largely the typical person that uses kratom is a 30-something white male. But Dr. Harrison brings to the table a different perspective that I can't offer. One of the issues with drug policy, the war on drugs, drug prohibition as it has very racist roots and to this day there's echoes of this in the treatment world all the way to blatant inherent racial inequities uh, all the way up and down and if you listener if you're a kratom user and you are a person of color please email us at kratom sobriety we'd love to talk to you because we know just like america is diversifying kratom uses as well and we want to be there for everybody. There's probably things we're not we're missing here in the way we're covering it. I'll put all this information in the show notes and find us on any social media channel to connect with us. And until next time, keep it Kratom free.